As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support for people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burn and Return podcast. Listening to Burn and Return, a weekly one hour podcast covering news from the agricultural and turf grass industries. Did you did you hear that? That was a DJ screech. And you know what that means? That means it is time for another episode of burn and return uh my name is matt sometimes i go by the grass factor alongside me we have uh mr ryan the turf man of ohio <laughs> stizate and we have uh we have ray the green doc out of <laughs> out of the lulu uh safe from the these uh uh the the uh, escapades the 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 bad the tragedy of maui uh, uh ray is in honolulu i know there's there's been a, a ton of people who have have reached out and so uh no rate they're, they're like honestly bur- worried yeah they were honestly I the burns worried were that- later oh, I know. <laughs> oh that was spicy uh and this being a live recording we do not have to worry about interruptions from uh from spencer although i will say i have i have already had the phone calls going tonight and uh right now i have uh if it is not a phone number that is saved in my phone I have it. Uh, I'm not accepting. I'm not accepting phone calls from it. So uh, that put a stop to it. Uh, I'll probably have to turn mm-hmm. it on at some point. But that started at about eight o'clock, and I think I think he's he's on one. He snorted a couple Ritalin to kick the day off, and just could not wait until nine o'clock, and uh, and got mm-hmm. and got excited. Right? Can you even snort Ritalin? Is that a thing? Is methylphenidate? Yes, uh, it is. Does that does that work? Yes, it is. Nasally, yeah. it works. It works <laughs> quite well. <laughs> Ray, yeah, yeah. with the pharma, pharma, pharmacological uh, assistance on uh, routes of administration, give us a large gummy worm. We can make it into a rectal spot story. <laughs> I'll see you boys at the bulk foods bins over at the uh, Kroger, and uh, <laughs> <things started>. you. <laughs> Yeah. Yikes. MSMA. Look, circus peanuts by the pound. Spencer, after after a couple of rectally inserted uh couple of couple of grams of methylphenidate right in the rectum. Uh anyway. Uh, yeah, but we're a little bit rusty on this. Forgive us. Um JPEG, I gotta talk to you about this too. I'm I I, ha- I am quasi suspended on Podbean, um, uh, the the podcast host. And a second, I, uh, I who, who knows did you, why? Uh, did, did you try to rent a car from Podbean recently? <laughs> I may or may not have uh, fired off a couple of uh, indiscriminate DMs on Twitter. No, I'm just kidding. I really didn't. Um, apparently there was something in there that, that did not work. So if you're looking for podcast, bear with me, I gotta, I gotta change host. 
I sent a shit ton of emails back and forth uh, to try and get this rectified, and they are they are just not giving me the time of day at all. Really, they're like, uh, "Well, uh, how about how about you stop producing controversial content?" And I'm like, "Look, if you've listened to it, there is nothing remotely controversial compared to like 99 percent of the other shit that's out there, right?" And they're like, "Yeah, but we don't host that, right? We host you." And compared to the 99% of the other shit that we host, it would be deemed controversial. Get oh, fucked! Man. Exactly. Really? Is what, that's Are exactly what it is. Swear, man. It's, it's stupid. 100% it's stupid. Uh, and it, and the, I was like, is it a language thing? Is it language? And it was like, no. I mean, you know, there's, there's been a couple of episodes that have been flagged. And, uh, and, it's, and it's due to content. I don't know if it's us, you know, uh, making the uh, COVID boop jokes or... Um, who who knows? I honestly, I honestly have remember that. I, I mean, I, it could have been. I gave up after that, and I'm like, okay, fuck you. Um, eat all of my balls, and uh, I'll just I'll find another host. That's all. Probably so, that 38 minute discussion that we had about whether cunt was actually a pejorative or a, actually an apt adjective for some people, like Spencer. I don't know. I did that. There, you know, sexual content like that, as long as it's not. Uh, you, you know, like the, the, like we're directly displaying <laughs> porn on video and then like reviewing it or something, they're totally cool with. Um, uh, so really? it is. It's it's something either political that I mean, and really, how mild have we been on the political shit, uh, or um, uh, you know, COVID related, or it could be you know people that listen and hear herbicide or pesticide, and us you know talking about the diehards on. Uh, the uh, uh, the Green Party and and calling them losers or whatever that that you know they may have done one of those mass reporting things I don't know it's all it's all theoretical but it was it was it was content related and it was not due to it being um, a rated R so anyway interesting nonetheless so uh, that what, housekeeping is out of the way there I'll I'll continue to to get that worked out because you know fuck these fuck guys. you Podbean uh, and as it reminded me because I, honestly I had forgotten about it, but it reminded me today because they, they my last interaction with them, I was like, fine, I'll find another host. And then they, they emailed me today and was like, uh, we are not accepting your payment, uh, this period. So you have X number of days to, uh, uh, uh you know, move your podcast before it becomes, uh, deleted off our host. I was like, Oh shit. Whoops. <laughs> so anyway, I digress. That being said, how about we check out <laughs> this week's headlines? Nothing to fear here. This is just the news. Uh, this is just the news. And, uh, you know, a couple of like things that are really trending for us in the right direction right now is uh, we'll go ahead and get this out of the way. Uh, inflation is doing awesome in the sense that uh, it it stopped climbing uh, and then uh, and then it's started to resume climbing again. And uh, and, you know, it's it's one of those great things that you you see this number, right, that, you know, oh, inflation was up three percent, then six percent, then nine percent. Uh, and then and then all of a sudden is back down at, at like three percent. I'm curious, is anybody out there like on your, on your day to day, you know, lifestyle activities, have you seen a significant drop in cost of goods in your like familial operating space? 
I have seen a suspension of the climb of the cost of goods, but not in a would I ever, ever say that, oh, yeah, prices have gone back down. They did stabilize on the hockey stick vertical they were on, but uh, definitely not a, a decline. We'll see some good sales come on from time to time. Well, I'm a lot more I'm a lot lot more cognizant of sales than I was in the past, uh, but I, I don't really I don't know if I've seen a <laughs> marked decline uh, of of anything too much. Now that being said, that's on the familial side. On the commodity side of things, we are seeing some uh, some rectifying prices on the commodity side, and. When that happens, there's usually, you know, the, there's, there's supply and demand aspect of this. And, uh, and it starts to get really weird, right? Because uh, from a distributor standpoint, we've talked about this before, how you can be, uh, you don't want to be the person left with the expensive commodities, right? And we saw, like we talked about, a few companies did get stuck with that. And then they ended up losing a bunch of money. Then on the flip side, you had some people that came in with some really cheap commodities, and um, and then they were trying to maximize their return on investment by selling those at inflated prices, and then you know, sometimes they burned customers doing that in the other way. Uh, we have seen an uptick as of right now. Uh, I just got pricing from a bunch of different urea producers, and uh, and what's weird is that I am getting prices all over the map right now. It's crazy the variation in prices that I'm seeing. Um, uh, like S, for instance, sulfur-coated urea had come down pretty significantly. Um, and all of a sudden, it's it's back up like pretty damn expensive. PCSEU 45-day <laughs> is really damn expensive now. 60-day, uh, uh, 90-day, all that is up really high. Nitroform is well over a dollar a pound right now, which is which is expensive. That's that's bulk, right? Bulk nitroform is over a dollar a pound. Uh, that's that's expensive. Um, uh, U Max, U Flex with DCD and MBPT at high rates is is very expensive right now. So my my point being is that we're rolling into early order program and all the uh, all the lawn care guys that are that are out there. You know, I I've seen a lot of jokes on Twitter and the turf space about the early order programs this year, where they're like, "Hey, go ahead, lock in your prices." And nobody's giving you a fucking price. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> go ahead and commit to buying whatever you want. We're not going to tell you how much it costs. Uh, and the, the the joke there is that they're doing it too. Is that I don't think anybody really knows what the fucking price is going to be. So it's a it's a weird thing that is going on. I just wanted to kind of get that out of the way. What, what are you going to say, Demay? I know you're deeper in this on a different side of it. No, I, I agree with everything that you said, and that. Um it's just hard to predict a forecast right now. And even at, at an EOP level, right. Where you're basically what you're locking in is a rebate, right? You're, you're, you're locking in a quantity of goods um, and locking in some form or fashion of a rebate off a of price. And that's, I mean, quite honestly, what I think the, um, the chem guys are stealing from is equipment, right? So basically in certain spaces where prices have to be locked in on equipment, for example. So like uh, government contracts or very large corporations that are buying massive amounts of equipment are no longer agreeing and saying, Hey, I'll pay a price. I'll pay X number of dollars, right. For uh, this big giant mower or this big 300 gallon spray or something like that. Basically what they're locking in is, Hey, you will get this percentage off of 
our MSRP at the time that you get this delivered. And that's it. So the chem companies have rightly probably taken the lead of what the equipment guys have. And some of that's been smoothed out on the equipment side, but there's still companies, and I won't say who, but that are still legitimately today, two plus years out if we order today on a piece of equipment. And I'm not talking like a new zero turn or something like that. I'm talking about specialty equipment that, you know, used to be in the old days, olden times was, oh, I don't know, maybe two months at most, something like that from the day you ordered to the day you got it. And now we're talking yep. about two years, you know, so um, I get why they're doing it, but it also shows you that this, uh, you know, the industry uh, as a whole is so reliant, not just on commodities and global markets and things like that, but none of it, almost none of it's made here, right? So you're forced to play that game of, will I have it? What price will I pay? And what will I get? And we're not talking about product shortages like we were back in 21, things like that. But, right, if you're trying to plan ahead and forecast, you know, revenue versus cost and things like that, and trying to figure out what your, your profit margin could or should be, how do you price that to a now how do you price that to a customer does that bleed down and do we have early pay discounts that are a sliding scale you know for customers that want to make the payment now right but are are based on you know when they take it when they decide to make that payment things like that so i just think it's getting harder and harder it's squeezing the folks that um are the smallest and the and the folks that you know do their own billing and the folks that um you know maybe don't have time to sit there and figure out eop but it can, it can definitely help out. Um, but suffice to you know, say, so, that, uh, it's just, it's, it's a really challenging time to, to do any type of business forecasting from a material standpoint. I have heard, um, uh, 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 Sigma organics in Nashville that if you lock in your EOP and put a down payment on, if commodities drop, they will honor the dropped commodity price. So you lock it in today and, and say it falls in March or April when you're ready to take delivery, they will honor that discounted um, uh, commodity drop, right? So, and mm -hmm. what they're going to do is try to be cognizant of buying at the appropriate time to deliver at you, to, to deliver to you uh, at, the, at the drop price. Now, if you do not put a down payment down, then they're going to go ahead and just pre-order bulk, you know, whatever, whatever it is that, that you order. And so the price is the price, right? But if you put a down payment down, they're going to put the extra effort in to time it, to get it to you at the lowest price possible, which I thought was pretty cool. That's unique right now. It's cash up front. You're not paying hundred percent up front, right? But you have to put something down. But the advantage there is that one, you're going to get the terms on the long term. Uh, you get a rebate, a rebate and you get a, um, uh, uh, you know, better timing of purchasing to try and maximize your dollar spent there. Right. So, you know, worst case scenario, it's for sure going to cost this much, but best case scenario, you may end up saving, you know, 10, 15, 20% down the road, depending on which way the commodities go, or if it goes up, you don't have to worry about getting eaten about that, but pretty much all early order programs are going to save you from upside swings on commodity pricing anyway. So anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. So Anybody's in the middle Tennessee area, I would say even like northern Alabama, you know, southern Kentucky area, you know, probably West Tennessee, East Tennessee too. It's central, centrally located. I, I'd talk to those guys about it because I thought that was pretty cool for them to to offer that. Anyway, I like the unique approach of that because that shows that they are uh, aware 
of the fuckery that's going on and trying to do their best to uh, you know stand out amongst a crowd of uh, of of insanity that's going on. Um, all right, now we'll actually talk about news stories that uh, I guess that actually kind of is a news story. But anyway. uh, <laughs> court settlement puts the EPA on track to regulate pesticides more strictly. Mm. Of course, uh, this is this is out of the New York Times, right? So. I'm sure this is a, the, the, the number of people that are going to be cheering this is what, is what you, don't read the comments. How about that, right? Read the news, <laughs> in, uh, you know, develop, develop your own uh, work around with it. You know, go to the, the sources that are cited in this and do not read the comments. The comments are designed to drive you crazy and they will drive you crazy. Stay out of them. Uh, a close-up view of a Taylor's checker spot butterfly, which has a brown, orange, and white patches on its wings orange antennae and legs uh it is standing on the stalk of a plant and i'm i call it a win for the little species though all kinds of endangered animals and plants stand to benefit uh, you know because of course if it's a pesticide uh a a pesticide is designed to kill these no that's that's i i, I think the person who authored this article does not know the difference between an insecticide and a pesticide i digress uh a sweeping legal sediment approved this week has put the epa on a binding path uh, to do something it has barely done before by its own acknowledgement. Uh, adequately consider the effects of uh, on imperiled species when it evaluates pesticides and takes steps to protect them. And when you think about what a pesticide is, it's supposed to kill pests. Uh, it's difficult to design a process where it kills only the things it is supposed to kill. Uh, in the same area as crock-damaging insects, there may be threatened bumblebees and butterflies among unwanted weeds, endangered plants, uh, blah, blah, blah. At the same time, pesticides help farmers produce enough food to meet the demands of a growing population, and they need a wide variety of pesticides to defend their crops. Uh, they say as insects and weeds gain resistance to various chemicals. By its own account, the APA has failed to meet obligations of the Endangered Species Act, more than 95% of the thousands of pesticide assessments it completes annually, according to the report uh, by the agency last year. Uh, that lack of compliance has opened to a flood of lawsuits from environmental groups, as well as a spate of recent court decisions against the agency. One 11-year-old case grew to include so many pesticide products, more than a thousand, that it uh, came to become, uh, it came to be nicknamed the mega suit. Uh, under the Biden administration, the EPA leaders have tried to chart a new course that abides by the Endangered Species Act. Uh, the new settlement, which resolves the mega suit, locks in that effort with judicially enforceable deadlines, said Jonathan Evans, the legal directly, uh, director for environmental health at the Center of Biological Diversity, one of the groups that brought the mega suit. Another administration just can't jettison this. Uh, Crop Life America, a trade association for pesticide manufacturers that joined the lawsuit, uh, was an inventor, was an intervenor on the side of the EPA, praised the settlement as another important step in the government's work to better comply with the Endangered Species Act. We appreciate the uh, engagement on these improvements and we'll continue to work with the stakeholders as the process continues. Uh, more people are talking about it, and we'll go on a little bit further here. Um, uh, rather than outright bans on pesticides, he said the settlement is likely to lead to restrictions on where they can be used in proximity to endangered species. New EPA guideline, uh, guidance, for example, may require buffer zones around waterways in certain areas so endangered fish are not harmed by runoff. It could place restrictions on how far a chemical can drift when sprayed from a plane. A major challenge for the EPA in complying with the Endangered Species Act has been the sheer work of determining how each of the vast number of active chemicals and pesticides affects each of almost 1,700 federally protected species threatened with extinction. The process typically takes four to 12 years. Uh, we don't have the resources or the time to go chemical by chemical for all these hundreds of pesticides. Instead, the agency will bundle chemicals into groups according to their target species. 
uh, and uh, whether they dissolve in water or drift in air. This approach will let the agency set regulations efficiently. Okay, so um, you know the takeaway here is that you know here here's the thing is we already have buffer zones for pretty much the majority of what we apply, uh, especially if you know depending on how miscible or movable with water it is, you tend to see more and more aggressive buffer zones that are cited in the labels. Uh, we also have you know when to apply certain things again, like the whole thing that kicked off the um, uh, the disaster that is emitocloprid was. Someone uh, uh, spraying in Oregon, uh, Bradford pears in full bloom. Anyone that's been around a Bradford pear in full bloom, what is all over that tree? Bees are everywhere on that tree. In lighting it up with the JD9, with Tall Star, Orthane, Merit, and Banner is not what you need to be doing at that time. That is a label violation Actually, they, to begin with. They did one better, Matt, in that case. They did one better in that Oregon case. You know what they did? Did they have, they have sites in it or something, too? No, this jabroni thought that he was doing good lighting up those trees in bloom with safari. Oh, and good. You know what the, yeah, and you know what the difference is between safari and imidacloprid? Uh, Dinotefuran is uh, is uh, fu fast. Yeah, yeah dinotefuran is way more toxic to bees than imidacloprid is. That's what I know about it. And so, I, I gotta ask, why did we even get to this point where? The government has to tell you, please don't spray neonicotinoids directly on bees. Why are we here? Matt, why are we even here? Mm. Yep, shit. Uh, uh, <laughs> we, we are here yeah. because of the dinosaurs. Oh, maybe it was the alien they found in Mexico. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why we're here anymore, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, and he's like, well, no, I, I meant, why are we, are we here such that the government literally has to tell you, no, you cannot foliarly spray a tree in full bloom with a product that has a 100% mortality rate on most bee species, including endangered bumblebees? Shouldn't that be like almost common sense? Shouldn't that be? Because, you know, if I were the operator or the applicator in this case, I could have thought of much better applications for treating those aphids in those Bradford pears that would not be as bad for the bees. But it, I can tell you that it wouldn't involve me going up into the trees with safari. <laughs> That's out. No, no. <laughs> Problem is though, is that your your the the label is not written just for you, me, and Matt to take a dump and read the merit label for the eighty fifth time, right? Like it's written <laughs> for the lowest common denominator of shitbags who don't read the label, who don't care at all, who post on yeah, they don't read at on all. professional Facebook groups about oh I'm gonna kill these suckers good. Like it, mm -hmm. this is not this is the problem is that it, it gives fodder for the cannon 
to the folks that initially filed this lawsuit, right? And have fought tooth and nail and they've had plenty, plenty of ammunition in the 11 years since they filed it to make us all look like dipshits. And I'm not just talking about turf people. This isn't just a turf thing. This is all pesticide applicators, right? So this suit is definitely a landmark situation. It's definitely a situation where um, as they go through these, they basically have said, we're going to go through herbicides first, then we're going to go through insecticides, right? And they already started working on insecticides organophosphates at first just to figure out how they're going to do this and what this looks like and kind of meander on through but you better believe they have 300 active ingredients to go through sort categorize and then evaluate so you're going to end up with a situation that either these things are basically banned without being banned they're going to make it so difficult to be able to use that it's just not Mm -hmm. worth using so that's way number one number Mm -hmm. two it's going to be so onerous on the applicator that even reading the label will not be enough. You'll have to go to an EPA website and verify what you can spray and where you can spray it. So like, if you remember, um, dicamba, right. When we went through all this stuff with, um, dicamba resistant crops and them causing problems, um, with volatilization, things like that. And, uh, that came down to a literally a County by County basis. This is saying that it might be within a County within a city, within the county, within parts of a city, within the county, right? So it could get weird. Or it could be even quick. an entire state. It could even be an entire state where if this is I would rather it be a state. I would rather yeah. it be a state. Honest to God. I would mm-hmm. rather them just say, hey, mm-hmm. Tennessee, you're out. Can't do that. You know? You're, you're out. Yep. When the, when the feds get involved. Yeah. <laughs> Frustrating. Careful, Podbean's um, listening. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, Podbean. Uh, the next sorry, one here. Guy, I'm, I'm excited that uh, 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 Asian milf oil continues to stay in the news. Um, Caroga Car- Car- Lake here, um, and I, what a disaster this whole thing is, right? And, uh, and you know, I like one of our one of our regulars, uh, Gardner Earth guy, uh, was was uh, talking specifically about. He he would much rather prefer to see uh, the milf oil harvested and then flipped into something else, right? And uh, you know you could either uh, you know hydrolyze it into an amino acid spray or something else, right? And I and I I do understand that aspect of it, but the economics of being able to do that as of right now, because it is so widespread and it is uh, uh, such a, a voracious plant, and, and it talks specifically about this right here. They won a grant to start doing their their pilot project with a uh, procella core uh in this in this lake that has such a profound amount of not only established but spreading uh milfoil um and in this particular instance so here in the in the bloom they are harvesting 100 bushels of of milfoil a day right and again you have to remember this is hand scuba harvested right um, it's typically targeted in shallow areas. Uh, when not ma- maintained, though, the invasive plant can render lake waters nearly unswimmable. It destroys native species and hurts the the property values. Right. So, um, the the difficulty here is that it is so widespread, uh, and I don't know like what kind of rooter this is and uh, how how deep it does end up run, especially if it has gotten out of control. You know, is this something that you start with Procellosaur? 
application, uh, uh, Priscilla core applications, and then you're able to put it on a harvest program. I think that would be a great integrated pest management program if that is doable. But when you're talking about getting scuba divers in here to harvest this, um, I don't know what the going rate is for a scuba diver per hour. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I don't know what their tank capacity is either to be able to do this. And, you know, do you have to pull it completely by the root out of the, out of the ground? I don't know enough about the plant to be able to say, but one thing that has been repeated in this is that we're talking about, you know, 150 mile long coast here, uh, that is, that is dealing with, uh, with, with milfoil 150 miles is a long area to, uh, you know, uh, line to cover. That's a shitload. Let's not say the whole thing's covered with milfoil, but still, if you're having a scout that large of an area, um, you know, we'll, we'll think, I don't know how many uh, 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 miles a combine on a 10,000 acre farm uh, covers in during during harvest season. I'd say it's pretty significant, but we're also talking a million dollar piece of a, this particular instance, we're talking about uh, dudes with scuba, scuba tanks on their back that have, what, three hours of air capacity? maybe four that are in here, you know, able to harvest a hundred bushels a day. And, and as are harvesting, you know, 200 bushels, uh, an acre in what an hour, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? So, and then you got to cover 150 miles of, of, you know, shoreline. I don't know, man, that's a lot. And that's a lot of biomass, right? You dry that down. How many tons of material are you are you talking about? And what is the water content of that plant too? We'll say it's ninety percent coming out of the of the lake, right? That's that is a monumental amount of mass and uh, uh, yeah, mass and volume too, right? So you know that's that's huge. And then how long does it take to dry it down? How do you dry it down? Do you open air dry it down? Do you run it through a dryer? How much natural gas are you going to use to dry it? Let me tell you, if I'm bringing something from a moisture content of 90% to say like 10% to keep it from rotting, which I probably have to go lower, like eight to keep it from rotting, man, my natural gas bill on the month would be like, oh, Lord have mercy. We'll, we'll say we'll say in a month, I do, I do a thousand tons of material. My natural gas bill is going to be somewhere in the tune at, at commercial rates of... Twelve to twenty thousand dollars is going to be my my guess. Now that would be a thousand tons, right? So to put that into perspective, you know, I don't know how many tons are going to be pulled out of here, but if it's that much water over that much area, I'd say it's going to be a lot of tons that you're having to drive down. So I don't know. Anyway, point being is they have secured a grant, right? And um, uh, and they've they've got some some funny money here to to get started with it. What's interesting, though, is that they said, even if we didn't get the grant, we're coming up with cash to get this done. So it is clearly something that is incredibly important to this community, for the people that want to do something about it. And then you have the other side that's like, nah, we need to let it go because uh, we're going to destroy the environment. <laughs> All right, man. All right. I, this is just a war that I, Matt, I would not want to be. I, I have to ask. Of. How much resources are going to be consumed by manually harvesting this fucking weed? I do. How many I, resources? See, I can't. I can't put that into into human perspective. You know, like, you know, they're saying their diving many, program costs the town more than a hundred thousand dollars a year. All right, 
say you need a thousand divers to mm-hmm. uh you know per block to get it harvested in the time frame that it needs to to be to be harvested what is it what does a thousand di- divers cost i mean is that that's got to be where you get millions where you get of dollars from that's big, that's big where money do you get a thousand divers yeah yeah that's that's big damn money and also you know what in the name of this environmental virtue signaling you'll bankrupt this town okay that's what's going to happen i mean that's the, that's the end result of this is that just to virtue signal your concern for the environment you're going to make this community go bankrupt congratulations environment right. is safe but the envir- but the town is broke now what have you we'll done say- We'll say, all right, you know, so this would be considered like high risk. These are some, some hypothetical numbers here, right? We'll say, we'll say you mm-hmm. pay the diver. Uh, so that would include, you know, uh, uh, insurance, um, uh, uh, you know, not including the cost of air tanks, right? They, they supply all that, but, you know, uh, high risk insurance, um, uh, your uh, workers comp, uh, all, all the other stuff, you know, payroll taxes, all that that goes into it. And we'll say it's going to end up costing the the city per employee one hundred twenty five thousand dollars per block right here. I'd, I'd say that's probably in the range of we'll say you pay them sixty thousand dollars the diver sixty thousand dollars in this time period to get it done. You know we'll we'll call it like a four month time period, right? Specialized gig sixty grand to get it done. The cost you know to actually employ someone at at a high risk level like this is probably going to be double. Um, uh, if not like, uh, two, two and, and a, and a quarter, uh, but we'll just, we'll just say, say, yeah, yeah, say, say double. Right. Uh, so if you're spending $60,000, you're, you know, really it's going to cost you about $120,000. Um, and, uh, and then we'll multiply that times a thousand divers, right? So right now we're at $120 million. Okay. Now let's say, um, uh, busy saying 120,000 for a four month gig of diving. Okay. So that's probably going to be closer to like 220,000, uh, per, mm-hmm. uh, a diver to, to the, you know, cost of the city and all that, uh, times a thousand of them, you know, now you're at $220 million. Okay. Um, that, that is, that is a monumental amount of money. Um, where, where is it? Is, is this national emergency fund money that gets allocated to it? Where does it, where, where does it come from? <laughs> Here's the thing is that we also don't have any data that says the Purcell core is going to cause any problems. In fact, we have data on the opposite side of it with <laughs> universities and everyone else like, no, man, this is, this is one of the safest approaches that you can take. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, a reduced risk, you know, product. This is essentially a reduced risk product that, that because my goodness, uh, you know, I remember seeing in my old uh, weed science textbook what they used to do to treat aquatic weeds, and this was horrific, Matt. Can you imagine literally fumigating the body of water with this chemical called acrolein? Acrolein is real cute stuff. I mean... The LD50 on that is amazing. <laughs> a little bit will do the job. <laughs> All right. I mean, so, it's, it, <laughs> you, you go, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, let's see here. 
Now there's a a lake. I, I learned this after um, those guys up in New York, Saratoga, getting on our shit list. There's a lake here in Ohio, about an hour away, that's mm-hmm. had a massive Eurasian water milfoil uh, outbreak, along with Issue. a couple of their pondweeds. Mm-hmm. Literally, it has been uh, a now three year effort that they basically have said like this is going to continue forever. That we're going to <laughs> harvest shit. We're going to make two herbicide or two herbicide applications each year, right? So early season with the pellicor to go down and try and get the uh, Eurasian water milfoil and then come back and select pockets and treat the little pods and shit that they drop in there. And so anyway, long story short, this grant is a great first step, but the strategy is just like anything else, right? In nature, like you're trying to harness nature. It's, not going to go well if you only have one tool in the toolbox or if you tie two two hands behind your back and try to fight like i hope these people get what they deserve i hope that they get a, a, an actual trial that shows what properly you know properly used herbicides can do in that environment mm-hmm. and uh i hope that the people that don't want to see that well that they gotta go swim and shit there it is. Um, I, uh, I feel I feel for these people. Right? You know, it is it is what it is. Better better them than me because at my age, I'm 37. I'm still spunky enough that I'd I'd probably fight someone. Uh, that being said, we have a big rig rollover, a tractor trailer hauling fertilizer. Uh oh. Um, and we tipped over at Hamlet's uh, main intersection. Here's is a Carolina Eastern Crocker LLC. Ooh. Uh, truck tipped over a uh, truck was westbound route five when apparently it turned too sharply on a route 237 um at least one lane was blocked the tractor trailer's driver was taken to the ummc for uh minor injuries uh and of course fire and M- emc was out there uh further information was unavailable as of of uh press time however the truck was hauling nine thousand gallons of liquid manure uh, no injuries were reported Yikes. but a hazardous materials response was needed to, c- to contain the resulting spill Again, this is liquid manure that was that was on the move there. So, you know, luckily it's relatively low analysis, but it is full of probably nitrates Shit. and phosphates. Yep. Yeah, but that's look, 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 look at that pile of <laughs> this can't be the spill. That's... Oh, that's the material they're putting down to absorb it, isn't it? Yeah, the the, the liquid yes. dry the dry material. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that lot. Is, uh... Dryzorb. Uh-huh. Dryzorb. Tons of trisorb, uh, Matt. Because <laughs> I thought that's what fell out of the tractor trailer, and I was like, "That's that's potassium chloride, not the end of the world." That's not too uh, bad. Yeah, fucking, it was liquid manure. The smoke jumpers actually came down with those big planes <laughs> from the forest fires and fucking naped this shit. Boys, <laughs> going on a bombing run. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it for the headlines. Let's uh, let's let's cut into our uh, our little little uh, gobbler at Jono's turf here, if you don't mind. <laughs> And it's an extra special version of this because J Pink, go ahead and hit it. That's right. It's a gobbler. 
All right. So uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and see. Speaking of uh, massive amounts of fertilizer, okay? Mm. I thought that a video that was sent to us here just this last week would be a great segue into uh, not only uh, exposing something that's probably a dumb thing to do, but also uh, the right way to approach it and a different way to think about it that's been uh, brought to us by the industry. So let's start off with that YouTube video, Jay Pank, and let's talk about nitrogen fertilizer applications in the fall on cool season grass. Pumpkin spice lattes, so that must mean one thing. All right, guys, football's back, and my wife keeps drinking pumpkin spice lattes, so that must mean one thing. Fall is here. We're going to start our nitrogen blitz. I'm going to show you guys what you need, what you should grab, and how to get it going right now. Could be multiple things, really. All right, guys, so fall is quickly approaching on us, so we need to start getting our lawn ready. All right, so we're going to start feeding it nitrogen like crazy. Is butter a carb? Yes. We're going to blitz the living crap out of our lawn. You blitz all night! We're gonna give it so much nitrogen, it's gonna be crazy insane, all right? Pause. The reason why you wanna start this. Okay. It, and again, here's why that kind of talk is dangerous. Maybe it's hyperbolic. Maybe it's meant to set the stage, be an intro, attention grabbing, whatever the case. It's not really responsible to go ahead and say that. I mean, Matt, let me ask you, and Ray, I know the answer already from you, but Matt, did you ever go to a customer and say, listen, I'm going to put a mega huge shit pile metric fuck ton of nitrogen on your lawn, and it's going to be awesome? No. No, I, I can't say that. Only, only out of spite without their knowledge, of course, right? Just, just uh, that'd be the yes. only reason. Okay. All right. I've so said he's we're going to get aggressive nitrogen. and, you know, things like that, but never, <laughs> never, never a bomb. B, aggressive. B, B, aggressive like that one. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Nitrogen blitz in the fall is you want to start just giving it as much nutrients as you possibly can. So it can store up all that energy going into winter and then coming right into spring. It has all that energy stored up, ready to go. It's going to green up faster than everybody else's lawn on the block. All right. So we're going to start feeding it heavy amounts of nitrogen right now, getting it ready to go. You're going to be mowing like crazy. But you're going to come out in the spring looking like the best lawn on the block while everybody else's is still asleep. Let's get into it and let's go over how you're going to do that today so that way you can go ahead and get this started on your lawn right now. All right, guys. So when you're looking for products to put down for your fall nitrogen blitz, what you want to be looking for is something that's heavy in a quick release nitrogen. So I recommend two different types of product. One is urea and the other one is ammonium sulfate. I will be using ammonium sulfate because that's what I have on hand right now. Ammonium sulfate is a 2100, which means it is all nitrogen, all right? So you're gonna put that down on your lawn. It is quick release. Your lawn's gonna take it in and just absorb it. Normally, I am a sprayer. I like to spray all of my nutrients, but for this situation, I like to spread uh, it out. Stop spraying like granulars that, for this application because it's just a little bit easier to measure out, a little bit easier to put down, and just easier to control. So let's go ahead and grab our ammonium sulfate. I'll break it down how you kind of measure this out and how you kind of figure out what you're gonna put down on your lawn. How do we figure out how much of our product we need to put down on our lawn? Well, the calculation is actually pretty simple and pretty easy to figure out. So first what you're gonna need is your bag of products. So we know here that this is 21% nitrogen in this bag. So if we wanna put down half a pound of nitrogen on the lawn, you're gonna take that half a pound and you're gonna divide it by 0.21. What you're gonna get is 2.38, which is the amount of pounds of product that you need to put down per thousand square feet. So once you have that 2.38 number 
It's a simple calculation of whether or not you need to multiply or divide on the amount of product that you need. So let's just say you have 5,000 square feet. If you have 5,000 square feet, you're gonna multiply that by the 2.38 and you should come up with about 11.75. 11.75 is the amount of pounds of ammonium sulfate that you will need to use to go ahead and put down on that lawn. It's a very easy calculation, we, we simple enough to use, which is why I like to good use here. a granular fertilizer for this application. So I only have about yeah. 500 square feet here, so I'm going to do about two and a half pounds of product. We're going to go ahead and spread it out on the lawn, oh. and we're going to do that weekly. Now, if your lawn looks looks great I, and you don't have any issues with mm. it, you can do this every other week. I'm looking a little rough right now because of the lawn renovations I've been doing. My front lawn got a little neglected. It came out of summer looking a little, little iffy. So we're gonna do this weekly. Now by doing this weekly, you're gonna be mowing a lot. It's gonna push the top growth on your lawn like crazy. So if you do this weekly, just be prepared to mow often. We're gonna do two and a half pounds on the- Okay, well, let, let, let him talk here. Two and a half pounds. Yeah, yeah, go, go just a little bit further here. Front lawn every week, and you're gonna water it in afterwards. So we're gonna go ahead and spread this down, get it out on the lawn, and watch this kind of recover. This is gonna help so your lawn doing get through the winter. Okay, so he's saying half a pound a week. Uh -huh. Is that accurate? Okay. All right. Assuming so, his correction is correct there, you know, and is he is it one of those where he's like, eh, maybe I maybe I'm throwing a full pound a week. I will he will go with this correction. He's applying a half pound a week. A half okay. pound a week. Every two weeks, that's a full pound. Am I doing the math right there? Yeah. Every two weeks it's a full pound. All right. So here okay. what is, is that every what, four weeks? Uh, uh, two pounds. Is that two pounds? That's two pounds every four weeks. Okay. Okay. Let's... All right. So here's what I want to start with. Okay. So, uh, -huh. uh, let's start with the four R's. If we want to throw that up here real quick, J Pink, and let's take a look at that graphic, and then we're going to dive into a couple other uh, pieces here. All right. This is the gobbler, folks. Is that yes? Do late season nitrogen applications work? Eh, there's a little bit of uh substantive data that we'll dive into here in just a minute, but. This goes back into, in a larger picture, the four R principles of nutrient stewardship, right? We've got right source, right rate, right time, right place, okay? The thing that we're going to talk about here is, uh, first of all, the right rate. There's a couple other things I want to mention as we go along here, but and I know we've covered this in other episodes, but as a gobbler, this is a great, great tool. And boy, howdy, this guy in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Treasure Lawns or something like that, uh, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Uh, but you know, just not the greatest advice here. So let's dive in. Okay. So on the right rate piece, Matt, Ray, I know that Ray, you've never grown cool season grass before and Matt's grown a metric shit ton of it, but does anybody know why we have gotten into this habit of applying uh, massive amounts of nitrogen in the late season, like say September, October, November in cool season country? Uh, it is, it is due to the, uh, the, uh, what, what has been colloquially termed the fall nitrogen blitz is going to be, is going to be my guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in certain lawn care spaces, uh, particularly, uh, the, the lawn forum, uh, there's a thread in there and there's been multiple videos made about it. And what it references back to actually from a research perspective is a guy named, uh, AJ Powell. AJ Powell was a turf grass professor at the university of Kentucky there in Lexington, and he did some really, really good work on this, uh, and and his work was replicated in the Mid-Atlantic and all the way over into Kentucky in the late 60s, talking about, hey, we make these massive applications in transitional type areas. Again, Mid-Atlantic being like Virginia, Maryland, Kentucky, 
that we see this massive green up in the spring that's way earlier than anything else, right? So this was thought to be a good thing. So um, coming into, oh, probably about 15, almost 15 years ago now, uh, Doug Soldat, Bill Kreuzer, and Sam Bauer over at University of Wisconsin kind of made some inferences and said, hey, well, why is that? Why do we see that? And is that what's best, right? So there's a lot that we've talked about here, and there's a lot that we've talked about uh, in other shows. I know I have, and I know that Ray and, and Matt have as well. I want to put up this one graph from Dr. Soldat's research that really tells the story in terms of the point of diminishing returns that we see. And I want to tell you why that happens too. Okay. So this is his nitrogen uptake on late season applications. Okay. So you can see September is the uh, little dark circle. October is the open white triangle. And then uh, the square, the dark square is November. Okay. So mm. these are differing rates across your X axis. Right. And then your Y axis here is showing, um, the amount of uptake on that fertilizer, okay? So basically what we see here in this uh, September app, right? September app at half a pound, we're taking up 74% of our nitrogen at a half a pound. Now he made applications in half pound increments all the way up to two pounds of nitrogen per thousand square feet. And you'll notice here, it's pretty much the same. So if we get all the way up to two pounds in a September application, that gives us uh, about 73% uptake. So our, our nitrogen applications in September are pretty efficient, right? Even up in high rates, okay? Now, here's where a homeboy from the YouTube video is going to go wrong and start to trip over his dick and buck himself over from a 4 hours perspective. Sorry, Podbean. Um, is on this side here, when we go to October, I'll take a look at this. At half a pound, we get 65% uptake, all right? And then we go all the way up to two pounds, and we're at 48% uptake. So this is interesting here, right? Our efficiency is dropping as we increase rate. So this is single apps, right? But if I take that and extrapolate this out over the course of a month, if I do half a pound a week, am I really effectively doing the same thing? This is a single app versus one app. That's going to continue to drop the later I make the apps because if I jump down here to November, 46% uptake at a half a pound and then all the way down to 25% at two pounds, right? So again, point of diminishing returns drops as we get later and later. Now, would either of you gentlemen like to theorize why that might be taking place in a cool season situation, say the Northeast, Pacific Northwest, where this guy is, or maybe even the Midwest? I would say that it's because after September and when you get towards November, isn't the grass pretty much like not growing at all anymore by November? I mean, that's my guess is that the grass ain't growing. And your growth in the parts of the U.S. where cool season grass is growing, I'm pretty sure that active growth tails off and is done by, say, end of November. That's what I've seen, too. End of November, grass growth is pretty slow by then, right? And if grass is not growing, it's not even taking up whatever nitrogen you're applying at that point versus September to the end of September, that is like that window in time when the grass is still growing. So that's how I interpret this uh, this graphic here. You know, time yeah. is everything. Time <laughs> is Time's everything. Up, it's over. So our no, last few points. It's not. It's not. It's not over. <laughs> it's we, not we, over. We oh, it's not over. Oh, 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 yeah. So anyhow. <laughs> 
the other point I want to make here too is that uh you know by loading everything up at this juncture right and doing it later later in the year as day lengths are shorter and our ET rates go down right the evapotranspiration the demand for water inside the plant goes down that's the way that nitrogen or the vast majority of it enters the plant right from the soil going through water that's being taken up by the plant as it needs it, right? So again, shorter day lengths, cooler temperatures, less demand uh, for water. And so therefore, the nitrogen use at that time is not quite as efficient, right? So uh, the the point here, I guess, from a uh, practical standpoint, going back to those four R's here, J-Pink, is this. Uh, make sure that you do have the right rate, right source. He did have the right source, you know, quick release nitrogen at this time and spoon feeding it out there. Good. Uh, is not a problem, mm-hmm. but understanding that your rates, especially as you go higher and higher later in the season, are not going to be nearly as efficient, right? Also, right time. So again, understanding that time uh, aspect, but also the seasonality, the physiological changes that take place in the grass. Right place, last thing here that I saw a shit ton of here, boys. And this doesn't have anything to do with Homeboy's video, but uh, round six as we're getting ready to go out here or are going out, blow that fertilizer prill off the sidewalk please there is so much of that right now and i know that it's poorly trained help probably people that are in a rush whatever the case might be but that's the stuff that's going to get our asses in a sling i yield my time yeah just just to to harp on that like look there is no reason to apply to cool season grass two pounds of nitrogen a month it just it isn't and and for god's sake do not, do not do this. Just blow it off. Get you a battery, battery powered blower. It takes twenty seconds. Get it off the driveway. Uh, look, I, I get it. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say one last thing. I wanted to, I wanted to tease, and we'll throw this in the, uh, the show notes here. But Doctor Travis Shaddix, one of the best guests we've ever had, and certainly want to get him back on here. He does have a new channel, and somebody mentioned it down here in our live chat. A new channel, Turf Epistemology. Uh, it's on YouTube. We will send a link to that, but he actually reviewed uh, one of the papers that was put in the Crop Science Journal uh, related to this, because I know there were several that were published. So it might be the one that I'm uh, referring back to here, but highly recommend uh, that you take a look at Dr. Shaddock's channel. Quick plug for that. Uh, he's doing reviews of papers that range in time from about 45 minutes to, to 90 or so minutes. And it's wonderful to see him kind of take people through um, you know, step by step. Uh, all the way from the experiment design through the results and the data and then trying to understand conclusions and how they might apply those. So quick plug for Dr. Shaddix's new channel. There we go. Um, yeah. Good deal. That oh. being said, I think we, we, we got that out of the way. Um, oh, I, again, two pounds on cool season grass. That's crazy. Um, on, on a C4 plant, on a grow end of like sprigs or... Uh, you know, something of that sort doesn't sound as crazy. Uh, but again, you're talking about a C4 plant that uh, has a, a, a much more aggressive growth potential and nitrogen utilization than a cool season grass, like infinitely in comparison. I digress. Uh, let's check out. Oh, and we'll, we'll, go, we'll go ahead and do this. We'll do, we'll do a little sponsor right here. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, this show is brought to you by you know who this is brought to you by? It's brought to you by us. Gosh damn it! Uh, you know why? <laughs> uh, because uh, because uh, I don't know. Because we said so. 
Um, a, a couple things here, and I'm just going to have fun with this, right? Uh, for for a couple of reasons. One, check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash burn returns. We continue to grow this. You know, we're, we we are. Uh, the, the I, I can tell you that you know short term, long term, short term is is that we're going to have another meetup this year, and it's going to be as badass as it's ever been. Uh, we have continued to escalate what we do and uh, and ramp up production value, and even offsite extracurricular activities are going to be a great time. Um, and it's 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 just continued to go so far above and beyond uh, the the rate of what we thought it was going to do. And again, as we continue to grow that, we would like to do it offsite as well, too, uh, into other areas. And, you know, one of the things we've we've talked about and, you know, I'm sure at some point we will be we'll be able to, to actually do that. And it'll be, uh, you know, offer things like uh, continuing education classes to, to actually sit down and have, you know, uh, a pesticide application training class where we get to use F words and uh, all that fun stuff, <laughs> because I think that would actually be pretty, pretty damn cool to do if you if you ask me. <laughs> Um, uh, pot, HBO Podbean CEUs. said we can't. Podbean said we cannot do that, but I'm fairly certain the uh, uh, Texas Department of Agriculture or Arkansas, yeah, Lee, Arkansas Department of Agriculture, Tennessee Department of Agriculture, Ohio Department of Agriculture would not give a shit if we uh, if we did that. <laughs> so we will we'll we'll buddy up with those guys. We'll we'll rub elbows with them. Say, just just say fashion. fuck and don't fuck during the training i think that's probably the yeah line i'll talk we need to yeah just yeah. just talk you know everybody's just having a good time we're good people i'm like how many um, how many gummy worms with methylphenidate do i need to bring with me i i would just i would go ahead and plan on 10 grams of methylphenidate distributed amongst uh grams uh, what do you say uh distributed among 100 gummies that's something sh- like that you know that's a shit ton of riddle we'll do, we'll do 100 man. milligrams oh, 100 milligrams per per rectal insert there that, that would keep <laughs> everybody on the verge of a heart attack um, pretty much yeah 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 i'd say i'd say everybody's blood pressure is going to be rocking at about 180 over 120 and uh boy will the words <laughs> be flying everybody will have whoops memorized. gonna call 911 for us <laughs> yeah, and uh, and speaking of speaking of on, on the health thing, I don't. Uh, and again, I, I want to stress this. The reason why I want to stress this is because I, I the older I get, um, the more like the, the the more terms of of the finite reality of life starts to like creep into my head in the middle of the night when I'm trying to fall asleep, and uh, and I don't think it's any secret. Uh, uh, Ryan, Ray, myself, J Pink, few others. Have been on, uh, you know, uh, Aldo uh, have have been on a quest to try and improve our physical conditioning, you know, in an effort to improve the quality of life. Uh, I think the 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 quantity of life is not necessarily something that um, I I'm is just like an overwhelming goal for me. But uh, if I can get more years of quality life, that is something. I just don't know if it's achievable at this point. Again, you know, I'm talking about 100 milligrams of Ritalin. There was a point in my life where that was breakfast. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. And uh, I, I don't know what kind of damage that does, but it's not good. That is for certain. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm probably a good 25, 2600 cheeseburgers again, uh, above the average 40 year old male. So, you know, we all have our vices. It's all right. Right. So, you problem. know, there's, there's there's a couple well, of a couple well, things here we want one if you if you join our discord there is a section that where we do focus on health and wellness now i'll say this is that it is it is pretty extreme but if you're looking for a starting point i have been working with a uh, 
uh, with a group. It's called Gain Trust, and it is a uh, it is a a legitimate coaching. Uh, I will uh, uh, help you get started and help you grow. And there's accountability where there's a meeting every week to uh, you know check in and talk with people to keep you from getting fucked up. I'm not getting paid to talk about this. I'm not getting free anything to talk about this and it's actually free to join and if you want more individual one-on-one coaching you can pay for it um it again it's something that i am heavily invested in in my private time right now is uh a a monumental amount of effort into becoming uh, uh faster stronger and uh and and to live longer and even if you looked at my supplement protocol and everything that i do is all geared around maximizing the number of quality days that i have left in this world uh, and I would encourage you, uh, especially for for everybody that is is reaching that point in their life where they're no longer feeling invincible. I think for me, that started to set in somewhere around like 32. Uh, I'd say when my daughter was about two, I think the, the the pretty extreme realization of like, oh, God, why did I do that to my body for so long started to creep in. And, uh, and then, of course, I ran into some health effects, too. You know, I had I had two uh, aneurysms in in my eye I, and in. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of shit that just went on. you know, the again, the, the, the reality, the finite reality of life, uh, memento mori uh, began to set in. So if it is something you're sitting, you're looking for getting started, I would highly, highly encourage you to just go ahead, bite the bullet, start doing it. It sucks the first few months. And then they say, if you can do anything for six months, it becomes a lifestyle. Right. And I would definitely say at this point, it's become a lifestyle for me. Uh, clearly it has, uh, for, for, for Jay Pink, who has just completely reinvented who he is as well. Um, and you know, Ray, this is the first season he's ever gone through, uh, without, uh, becoming emaciated and looking like he just, he just crawled out of the, uh, <laughs> Sahara desert at the, at the end of, uh, you know, the, the grueling heat of lawn care. And, you know, th- these are all, these are all big positives. And, you know, Demay's throwing. You know, of course, I, I see Demay on the uh, on the uh, on the whoop, and then you'll see you'll see him crank out a damn uh, run, and then post a picture in health and wellness, and it looks like he took yeah. the, uh, the 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 ice bucket challenge. And uh, and you know, I I'm a sweater. I love to I'm see it, uh, dude. You and me both. It is disgusting how how wet I get. I fun fact, Demay. Do you do you get nipples that are so chaffed? Uh, afterwards that you have to band-aid them there's that is that just a big thing no there's enough hair to buffer and create like an air gap between the shirt and the garment <laughs> and, and uh, there was the a point in my life that religion. i had i had i had pierced nipples and so they are they are eternally erect uh, i have i have it was a bet and i i lost a bet go vols oh, um, no. you know uh, I know. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we, we don't want to talk about the balls right now. It's too soon. Yeah. I know. And that was, again, one of the things that led to me getting eternally erect pierced nipples, too. Um, and, uh, and boy, you know, when I sweat real hard like that, uh, you know, I have, I have to band-aid them now or wear a cutoff that leaves my, uh, my nipples exposed because they get so chapped. Anyway, I have personal <laughs> issues there. Check it out. Gain trust. Uh, you know, it's, it's good to take it on, but it's even better if you can do it and not get fucking hurt. Uh, because that, that is the direction that I was headed. I could feel that I was going to get hurt sooner than later. And so I wanted to work with someone smarter than me. Uh, just like people, people come to us for help so they can avoid making mistakes. I, I opted to go that route to avoid making mistakes too. I think I'm smarter than I am. And so for the first time I'm trying to step back and say, you know what, maybe I'm not as smart as I think I am. So uh, let me let me talk to someone who's uh, a little bit better at this than me. 
Uh, that being said, I think I've uh, uh, floofed enough on it. Uh, let's check out this week's arms. God, Ray, having not lost weight this <laughs> speaking, uh, speaking this about summer season, Ray being emaciated. Yeah, right there. That that was that was that was Ray after after a uh, a summer of gains. Right there, boy, Sheila <laughs> was not prepared of what what just happened. Lord have me, she was begging no, for mercy, and then not, Ray said, "I have not no ready for that. Give. Not ready for that. Uh-uh. Fuck your, no way. Fuck your Fifty Shades of Grey, Sheila. I've got Fifty Shades of Spray and Pray, bitch. Exactly. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of, uh, of uh, the neighbors to Sheila there, uh, not just her neighbors, but also government, uh, Governor Jared Polis uh, figured out something loud, smelly, and noisy. Uh, and that was that was actually yard tools in this, in this instance. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Sheila. It was yard though. tools. Um, Jared Polis ordered states to phase them out and get them the F out. Uh, it's an executive order aimed at making Colorado green, greener, cleaner, and quieter. Uh, it requires the state and state contractors to phase out all gas-powered lawn and garden tools over the next two years and replace them with electrical equipment. We're going to lead the way on oh, this. Lord. We're going to move away from the loud, smelly, noisy equipment with diesel fuel to lower the cost, cleaner, <laughs> quieter, electric leaf blowers and lawnmowers. 75% of the lawn equipment use. Yeah, go ahead. How often, you know, we were talking about blowing fertilizer off the sidewalk, everything. How often did you have to get the off-highway diesel out to fill up your backpack blower to make sure it was running in tip-top shape? Can I ask that question? Yeah, 0.0, as a matter of fact. Yeah, you, um, you never had to replace never. a blow plug or a fuel injector on your weed eater before? No. no, no, I've never done that. I've never done that. Uh-uh. Yeah, no. Damn, unfortunate. Because yeah. uh, I'm going to be, you know, what uh, kind of uh, put the uh, Ray kink in modified my plans? his blower to run on diesel, didn't? He? <laughs> no, no. You know what? He's got a TDI. And time, time, we're talking about cars. No, it uses no, a I wanted, system too. It's crazy. No, I wanted a diesel for my Hypro D50. Actually, I know you did. <laughs> I know you did, Ray. I was gonna say that the, is the, so the death... not shocking to me. I could see Ray out there with a a three cylinder turbo, big three hundred millimeter turbo diesel on his on his high pro to run sixty thousand psi at the at the end of his half inch hose. The the def is actually an alternate tank that you can go and select back and forth between the engine and yeah, you, application. Yeah, if I want nitrogen, a, I just switch back three... to the def tank. Exactly, Brian. <laughs> I am that guy. He can foam the entire island of Hawaii. Shout out to Princess Cut in the chat. Uh, They're they're gonna they're gonna do away with it with with the state employees and state contractors, right? So you want to land you want to land a a gig with the state. You know you better you better be electric only. Uh, What about propane? Nope, electric only. Go f yourself. That's the only way to fix this. We've got areas with high ozone, and what is the solution to high ozone? Ban diesel fuel. Uh, the state is offering a tax credit right now to anyone who switches from gas to electric lawn equipment. I think we've seen it before. I can't remember if we saw it from Colorado or not, but if I recall, it is uh, that the tax credit is is like okay, seventy five bucks. Thanks. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna help a lot on my uh, uh, what was a thirteen thousand dollar now twenty seven thousand dollar mower. Appreciate it. You're really doing great for us out there. Where's uh, you know, hang on, I got I got to put this yeah. in the chat so that JPEG. <laughs> this is Ray's <laughs> effort earlier here. It's gonna go into uh, dirty deeds there. Take a peek at that one. Oops. What what, what happened? Dirty deeds. Just take a take take a oh. in there. There you go. Oh, take take here. Let me let me let me do this. Wait, what is this? Something right posted. Uh, these men. Oh yes, I I saw this earlier today. This is beautiful. These men produce the oil for the fuel that powers my suburban. These children. Uh, by the way, Podbean, uh, my taint. Go ahead, lick it. Uh, these children dig <laughs> the cobalt and lithium for your electric car and sustainable batteries. You know what's fascinating is that we uncovered a massive uh, lithium deposit in uh, in Saw Nevada, that. right? And mm-hmm. it has been held up with bureaucratic environmental red tape for mm-hmm. a long time. And, yep. and I have a very close, uh, I say close, I have a close uh, uh, business associate close enough to get you know the inside skinny on what's going on with it and um and he said it is an absolute disaster and chances are is that anyone our age that's working on it is going to die before any meaningful lithium comes out of it uh just due to the uh the seemingly infinite pressure of bureaucratic red tape around the project uh so in the meantime, we can thank the uh, the children on the bottom there. They're going to keep us stocked up for our uh, for our, our lithium batteries. Um, so d- d- don't forget, as you make your transition from Energizer Alkaline to uh, Energizer Lithium, uh, never never forget uh, who's who's out there putting it together for you. I digress. Actually, uh, uh, Matt, what, that w- that was a more team meme. There was a more tame meme because somebody posted, yeah, I think, uh, in, <laughs> don't, in, don't, the other, uh, in the other section of uh, the Discord, another uh-huh. one that had Greta Thunberg, you know, screaming at a kid to mine that lithium faster. I mean, it's not, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. Did you? Then... I, I I saw it somewhere on a racetrack. Uh, you know they're doing this this thing where they're gluing their hands uh, to various things. You, you know, like uh, yes. on hey, sidewalks I, or I heard of them doing that in Germany. I heard the, I heard these protesters uh-huh. gluing their hand right in the middle of the road in the city uh-huh. to protest. And all I gotta say to that is, you know what, Matt? I would get out the uh, Makita concrete saw. Oh, hollow out that the section oh, that their God. hand is, is on. <laughs> cut that concrete out. I was not out. sure where that was going to go. Yo, I would cut that concrete out and then throw their fucking asses in jail for obstructing traffic. There's a little civil war <laughs> surgery here, like we're at Antietam. <laughs> I, yeah. I saw uh, I saw one where they uh, uh, it was it was on a racetrack and the uh, some pit crew or somebody like the, you could tell they started to pick this guy up and his hand was like legitimately adhered and uh, and boy they gave a double two person time tug on it and uh, it came unseparated and that guy looked at his hand like he left a piece of it on he the gloved. on the pavement that was 
yeah. it, it, it was it was degloved because I do not feel sorry for you as a matter of fact no actually he's uh, lucky that i don't just go over there with the you know the razor scraper and just pry that I, glue up that's when you that's when you use I your just, torch that's when you use the propane torch and just you know i just want to say this, that there's matter. probably uh if we still have the payroll records i think we should send uh, a form letter out to all the past carbon earth employees and let them know that listen <laughs> the climate activists will pay way more for your fucking hand than carbon earth feather would you might want to give them a call. <laughs> yeah look we know what three fingers cost but uh we got a if you want a real pay five day, and a palm we got you five here. and a palm mm-hmm. yeah we got you a we deal you. it's your entire hand yeah. You're enti- yeah, we can do three for hands. 30 or we can do 100 for the whole. Where are we at, big boy? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Johnson City. <laughs> you'll, you'll need it because your, your hand <laughs> won't be able to grip anymore. Uh, J- Johnson City's holding an <laughs> ugliest text contest. Here's why. Um, and I, I, The city of Johnson said it hopes a contest will challenge homeowners to save water while having fun with their lawns. The ugliest lawn contest, August 18th to September 15th. Photos must be submitted by 5 p.m. on September 15th. Uh, $150 gift card for the winner, then $100, then a $50 gift card. Uh, The lawns must be mowed and and, uh, maintained. Uh, The city's offered competing best lawn competitions, so they said, well, as a matter of conservation, we'll just do the ugliest. Um, And, you know, the, the idea is, you know, to limit water usage Uh, uh, two two thoughts on this real quick one i would absolutely run a contest uh between now and the end of the year where if somebody submits uh the ugliest lawn not necessarily that's from our group but uh you know could be a customer could be somebody in your community submits the ugliest lawn we will donate we will dox the crap out of them we will donate a uh a substantial sum to saint jude in their name and our final show all right so Keep that in mind. And the second thing, I was really hoping that this was Johnson City, Tennessee. And, you know, the ugliest lawn would have to be, you know, some some nether regions from the fuzzy hole. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for your submission. Are you sure this is a lawn? I, I, that's the only way I know how to describe it. Have a boat um, in years. <laughs> definitely not. Uh, fuzzy is an understatement as a matter of fact uh we 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 will we can't call that the honey hole either that is that is the the sins of the earth can someone call an exorcist in here to solve that problem please you ever seen cubes on the nitrogen blitz program me too that there's two pounds a month and then there's there's that that clearly ate two pounds a month uh jp can you can you throw this clip out real quick because that this is I'm gonna lie. Uh, this is this is gonna be a volume warning too. Uh, yeah, it's just I thought I thought it was kind of fun. Someone just DM'd it to me. Uh, so here here we have a guy who's like, oh, you know, sorry about this. Oh, God. I I think I think that problem got solved. That's that's one way to do it. I thought that was pretty creative. I like that guy. I'm not gonna lie. I, it, that, yes. Anyway. This week's returns. Come back. Uh, MSU 
Michigan State Turfgrass Information Center TGIF database now is open Smurfin access. Hey! This database, which is a cooperative project with the USGA and Turfgrass Information Center, can be accessed at tick.msu.edu slash TGIF. Uh, uh, the release of the publicly accessible TGIF database coincides with 40-year anniversary partnership between the USGA and Mississippi State, uh, Michigan State Libraries. The da- database initiative began in 1983 with the goal of providing those in turf grass sciences expedient access to contemporary literature and ultimately expanding to published and unpublished materials reporting on all aspects of turf grass and its management, regardless of sector, context, geography, language, or age. USGA provided the seed money to fund this project, with the first record being entered to the TGIF database in September 10th, 1984. In 2019, the database saw its 300,000th record entered. Uh, looks like we might be ripping this off the internet. I'm not going to lie. It, uh, it, I don't know. I'm going to an idea. I digress. Uh, IT nerds, ping, ping, ping us on that. The uh, research professor, John N. Trey Rogers III, expressed enthusiasm about the database. And it's like, I, I'll, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it off, off the air. Um, they're, they're enthusiastic about it. Okay, I'm just, I'm going to get through this. Uh, we, we got the link out there. That's the most important thing. This is great, right? Like, I, I wish more and more research would become open access. This idea, why hide research? Why? If if the intent Money. is to spur innovation, to inspire people, to develop ways, means, methodologies of doing better, why keep it behind a paywall? You know, uh, I, and and he, here's the thing: is that like who who is the one who's getting paid on this? The researcher? No, they can't. They got paid on the front end of doing that work, right? That like, and then it's the journals that it gets submitted to. Is the are the are the ones that get paid on this? I understand at a certain point, yeah, you got to you got to collect whatever and, and and you know maintain a a profitable business. I, I'm sure that half the journals operate as a as a uh, a nonprofit anyway. If I had to guess, I don't know. I'm throwing smoke out there, uh, but I would assume that the majority of them operate as a nonprofit. So uh, after a certain point, continuing to, uh, to 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 keep that information behind a paywall. And I know there's resources out there where you can still access it. You can go to a pub. The easiest way is to go to a public library. I got on a computer at the public library recently, and I was blown away at the amount of shit that you can get. Demay, you were the one who actually talked me into getting a, uh, a, 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 a going to the public library, right? And one, it makes sense because you know my kids have a reading log that they have to do. You know, they they have to read twenty minutes a day, uh, five days a week, right? And so they start churning through books on you know a biweekly basis. And instead of dropping forty dollars every other week for my kids to compile books that they're going to read one time and then shove in a corner in their closet, I was like, I was go to the library and and you know do it that way, right? And I, and of course, it takes them an hour and a half to pick a book. So what does dad do? Dad's like, I'm going to poke around on the interwebs here and see what I can find. There's a litany of useful shit on it. It's fascinating. I digress. Um, this is another asset, in my opinion, especially in our industry that needs more assets poured into it uh, and here we have a good one um what is there anything else on that i don't know no he, huge huge asset uh it, it has more than just what you're going to find at google scholar so it will have that and link those backs those peer-reviewed journal articles but it will have so much more from industry trade publications that have been out there um green section records from the uh, usga uh just things and, and knowledge 
articles, snippets, things that you just cannot find anywhere else, right? So uh, if you've never used it before, I highly encourage you to check it out. Uh, you can find topics on just about anything. You find out anything that's ever been published in Turf, whether it be peer-reviewed or not, it's going to be in there. Um, also, we have the MN, MN, New Mexico State University Turf Specialist wins the National Crop Science Award. Lord have mercy. I keep trying not to burp into the microphone. Uh, oh, where did it go? My goodness. My mouse disappeared there for a second. Uh, uh, burned line hour. Uh, I got, I got a little out of the way there, uh, has received an award from the Crop Science Society of America for outstanding contributions to crop science through education, national, international service, and research. NMSU said in a press release, the professor with the College of Agriculture, Consumer, and Environmental Sciences, Lionauer was recognized for significant career contributions in turfgrass science over the last 15 years. I consider this the highlight of my academic career. As the highest national research award given by our society, it rewards the efforts our team has put in over, over the last 20 years and recognizes the standing we have received nationally and internationally with the topic of turfgrass water conservation, which is truly fascinating and incredibly Again, another giant asset that has been uh, 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 executed by Lion Hour here. Um, the Lion Hour added that the award recognizes uh, the work of his team and not just the result of his accomplishments. While awards are usually given to individuals, it takes a team of graduate students, postdocs, and collaborators to work on projects which lead to publications, presentations, ascension activities, all of which ultimately result in such an award. Uh, our research efforts have the overarching goal to find approaches that conserve water in an arid, semi-arid environment without losing aesthetic appeal, functionality, or quality of the turfgrass areas. We are addressing the problem by adjusting or changing maintenance practices, not just the turfgrass plant itself. Our investigations have shown that water use can be reduced significantly by changing, maintaining a poorly functioning or improperly installed irrigation system. Moreover, people growing turf grass have very little understanding as to how much or how little water is required to go, grow grass. Most turf grass areas are completely overwatered, and the perception exists that this is the amount of water turf grass needs. Uh, he's a PhD originally from Stuttgart, Germany. Uh, he's been with New Mexico State since uh, March 2000 and holds a 2009 patent for a subsurface drip installer. Uh, he's been all over. He's a member of all the different organizations, and the guy is 100% an ass, uh, asset and a true badass. Uh, congratulations, Dr. Leinauer. You, sir, are a fucking good man through and through. All in hugely important stuff, and especially from a research and extension standpoint, uh, this guy's doing great things. New Mexico State's doing really a lot of cool stuff right now with respect to irrigation, water use, efficiency, things like that. So uh, this is going to be the stuff that gets the uh, people off of our backs that say, well, you got to put, Ray, you got to put some synthetic turf in the lawn, conserve some water, you know? Jeez, what are you doing? You know what, uh, Ryan? That won't happen in Hawaii, actually. That won't hmm. happen. Oh, the, and uh, you know why that won't happen? In, because they're not into pre-cycling microplastics? It is because here in Hawaii, wow. the they like Achilles runoff, yeah, the runoff prevention and clean water mandates basically restrict use of artificial turf here. The only people that can really have it are the school athletic fields. That's it. There's still too many in my You'll opinion, uh, but you know, I'm I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm a purist. I'm a purist. Mm -hmm. I'm a trad. I'm a trad. Um, all right. Uh, we have one mailbag here. 
listening for. You've got, You've mail. got mail. There it is. Literally, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the time delay between when the button on the soundboard is hit and when it plays is a mystery. Sometimes it's I, within yeah. a microsecond. We actually we had we had to downgrade from fifty six k to twenty eight eight for our AOL, AOL subscription. So <laughs> times are tough, man. It's hard out here for a pizimp. Uh Nicholas said over the last few shows, Ray has mentioned using quinclorac and tricolor as an ideal fall cleanup mixing cool season territory. The question is on rates. Should I reduce the rates because they're mixed? And do I still need to include methylated seed oil or leave it out? Because the quinclorac is being mixed with an ester-based herbicide, being triclovir. Uh, Ray, this is Ooh. on you. Would you drop your weights rates because you're mixing the two? No, I would do the <laughs> full yeah. full rate for one thing. Because here's where I suggest that somebody contemplate using quinclorac and triclopyr. If for whatever reason they're plagued by clover, chickweed and wild violet and creeping charlie in their lawn. They are then a quinclorac triclopyr candidate. And secondly, when you're using quinclorac, recommended to include that methylated seed oil surfactant. Because let's think about this logically, because you know what full rate of triclopyr 4E is? It's only a quart per acre. And if you have like the Quinclorac 75DF or Drive 75DF, then that is a pound of that dry granular material per acre, you know, dispersed in water. Or if you have either Drive Accelerate or off-patent Quinclorac liquid, that's still... 64 ounce per acre, but you still are not getting the surfactant amount that ensures that your quinclorac works at its best. Because quinclorac is one of those herbicides where I guess BASF found out that without methylated seed oil, the quinclorac doesn't work as well. It's not as effective. And so that's why they suggest that if you're going to make a quinclorac application, you include methylated seed oil at up to 1% by volume of solution. So that's my answer. <laughs> there we go. Don't um, yep. Uh, get, get ready. You are going to kill all your grass. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That is 100% a joke. That I, I know everybody worries about that when they try something for the first time. And so I'm just ramping up the anxiety meter. Like... My friends on the show love to do to me. Uh, we are headed <laughs> out of here. If you have any questions, reach out to uh, don't don't reach out to me. Reach out to uh, reach out to mail at thegrassfactor.tv. Jay Pink will sort through that. Thank you, Jay Pink, for being the uh, the uh, uh, the the wall between what gets disseminated oh, yeah. and what does not get disseminated to us. Because <laughs> no private calls. Last thing, no private calls. The last thing we need to do would be the first. Demay would be great at it. But Ray and I being the first one to read and respond to an email <laughs> would be an absolute disaster. Let's be honest. Uh, so thank you, Jay Pink, for being the uh, the sacrificial lamb in that regard and uh, avoiding avoiding the meltdowns beyond what you already have to endure on that side of the keyboard. <laughs> 
Lord have mercy. All right. Love y'all. We'll catch y'all on Thursday. Bye.